Hello and welcome to the Gallant View Rangers podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host for another Premier League show. With me tonight, starting with just two of us, but I think Graham may be joining a little bit later. It's Jamie Rose. How are you, mate? I'm absolutely fine, man. Thank you. I was I was kind of geared up for a, a brilliant podcast up until last night's games. Um, and it kind of left me in a bad mood all day, just purely for the fact that so many goals happened. But to no avail, that just means that um, we might have to put up with him for one more season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll go coming away from sort of uh, the Premier League, it's, it's, I think it's the first weekend where we've been on and both our teams have won, so it <laughs> hasn't been ruined for, for, for either of us for once. The, 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 the one start I had, the one good, I had a good start at the weekend, and it was uh, Frank Lampard, the saviour. He saved Everton from relegation last season, and he saved Chelsea from relegation this season. <laughs> it's not bad to have a new CV in it. <laughs> uh, honestly, Frank Lampard, Jesus Christ. Um, but, but Jamie, it's funny because I've got. We normally always start with the top top teams. That's the way I sort of normally go with it. But uh, you've just alluded to. I know what result ruined your your day yesterday. You're talking about that uh, emphatic Everton win, which. Um, I think both of us and Graham last week all said that we couldn't see Everton getting anything up uh, down at Brighton um, yesterday, but ended up going to beat them five-one. Um, they were, to be fair, they from from kickoff. I don't know what Daesh's team talk was. It was uh, something in the water, wasn't it? All right, it was just every time they went forward, they looked like they were going to score. Um, I've got to pick out Dwight McNeil. I thought he was he was brilliant, and, and Calvert Lewin. To be fair, he looked super sharp, but. I know through gritted teeth you're going to have to praise Everton here. But, um, <laughs> what, what did you make of, of them yesterday with a, with a huge win? Yeah, um, you're right. Nobody in their right mind would have taken Everton for a win yesterday. They really wouldn't, especially at the, especially considering Brighton had just got that winner against Man United. You know that nobody really kind of gave the match for. Excuse me, you just anticipated that they would have done the same to Everton, if not worse. But for whatever reason, and and you know sometimes you see this in a team that. They expect to win, that actually it doesn't go that way and they just never get themselves in the game. And I think for the first half, Brighton were very much that. I think they just expected to turn up. Everton wouldn't be on it as much as they would. They would wear them down and then they would just hit them. That didn't happen until like the second half. You know, I think when the second half kicked off, it was nothing but Brighton up until they had that one chance where they went, you know, when they went to, was it five? Um, But hats off to them. They were outstanding, like Dukuri with with the goals. Um, McNeil was absolutely brilliant as well. Um, and I think, you know, this is where the praise probably comes in. See the difference that happened when you have a solid number nine. I don't rate Calvert Lewin to the extent that I would put my money on him, but he's a number nine. He knows the role. He's not play. He's not a false one like a da- like a Damian Gray or something like that. Um, you know, he is an actual number nine, and he led the line well, especially for that first goal. Um, the way he spun in, ran off his player crossed it across the box and, and you know, it was 1-0. I don't think Brighton really recovered from that. Um, and, and, you know, you've got to still praise Brighton the fact that they've got themselves in this situation where they're pushing for potential European spots, but they just come up to a, they just come up against a team that actually needed the three more than them yesterday. Um, so, sadly, yes, it does look as though we'll not have to put up with them for the, at least another season. Um, and the only reason I'm saying that is that because you would never have given them the three points last night, you'll look at the fixtures and you go, they've probably got one, maybe two points in the whole of those fixtures. Yeah. 
Yeah, they've just beaten that by getting three, and they're potentially going to get another couple of points in before the end of the season. So you fully anticipate that they'll be okay now, and especially as Leicester and Leeds are in free fall. We'll come on to Leicester, obviously, but yeah, I think they've got to be safe now. However, that whole Jordan Pickford punch in the air every time he had a fucking save yesterday is quite annoying. But um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, he's just a shit house, isn't he? Um, I don't mind saying that. But uh, yeah, hats off to Dwight McNeil. Finally turned up, had a good game to Cody as well. Um, and they blew away a Brighton that nobody, and I mean nobody, expected. Yeah, no, definitely, and and I think it's, it's it's right to point out how good Everton were, but you're absolutely spot on. That's the worst I've seen Brighton for a long, long time. They were defensively where I thought they'd been good this season, um, and and they've took you know the game to, to to teams, but they just got every time Everton went forward yesterday, they were they looked like they were going to score. Um, yeah. And and again, I, I will point out probably a little bit biased, but I thought Nathan Patterson made a big difference for Everton yesterday. What I can't sort of get my head around is um, why it's taken him so long to get a run in the team under Sean Dyche. He's took, obviously, Coleman to get a really bad injury. But, you know, Matoma's was, was, was poor yesterday. I think Patterson yeah. played him really well. But I just find that so frustrating. He's obviously gone with experience. But I think, for me, Seamus Coleman's been finished years the ago. Pro- the problem was Coleman was the captain. So to, to drop your captain when, when you're in this dogfight... Yeah. Captain's the person that you want on the pitch, isn't it? That's why he's your captain. So, yeah, I do believe Nathan Patterson is a better defender than Coleman now, as it stands. Um, he's now got the injury, so he will definitely play. He'll get better. He's, what I do like about Patterson is he's strong. Yeah, he's, you know, for his frame, he's a, he's a strong lad. Um, he was he was arguably one of the best better players yesterday. You know, take the goals aside, but he was never going to be ahead of Seamus Coleman in this running. Do you know what I mean? Because you're then admitting your captain's not the captain that you want. He's not good enough to be playing. Um, Daish, Daish is probably many things, but he's loyal. He's he's, he's a true honest gent in that, in that respect. And, you know, his captain's his captain. Um, so he would always play his captain. Sadly, he's not going to be playing for the remainder of the season. It doesn't look like an ACL, so he's more than likely going to be coming back next season. Um but Nathan Patterson, he'll, he'll get, he'll do well to get the minutes for the end of the season, definitely. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a definitely a, a fair point on, on Dash. I think he's loyal, especially to the older players. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that'll be changed. That will be a good one. Um, moving on, then another one last night, Jamie. Um, Nottingham Forest four, Southampton three. Um, before we come on to Southampton, um, big big win for for, for Nottingham Forest. Um, they've actually picked up, I think, 82% of their points in the Premier League this season has been at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've lost two out of 14, the last 14. Um, so uh, just how important uh, it's been you know, for them if they, they do start, which I think that win yesterday, again, kicks them in, in a really, really good position. But the player I just want to pick out yesterday watching the game was was um, Morgan Gibbs-White. I thought he was the best player on the pitch by by some distance, he, he gave the ball away really sloppy for Southampton's first one, but um, I think everything was good uh, about Forrest yesterday come from him. And that touch for the fourth goal hmm. uh, is top, top draw, by the way, because the amount of players that don't have the... Just killed it, didn't they? Yeah, the balls to, to, to do that. They'd rather take it on or take a touch or... But hmm. just that awareness, because he, he looks hmm. once and then the, there's, the play goes on and he knows exactly where he put it. It was... It yeah. was top draw, but what did you think of him and, and Forrest yesterday? Yeah, see, see that touch? It's such a Bobby Firmino type of touch. 
the way he kills it and unselfishly lets it run for somebody else. And I don't want to keep hopping back to a Liverpool, but it's, it's a proper Bobby kind of play, that is. Um, he's arguably been one of them. So I would say, see the first half of the season, Johnson for them has been outstanding. He's run non-stop. He plays most of the games. He was getting on the end of the goals. Gibbs White's probably been their best player in the last two months. Um, you know, whether it's coming on and getting assists or scoring the penalties, he's just kind of found himself in a bit of better form. And I think it's probably, you know, it adds into the fact that, you know, Shelby's been dropped recently. He had that fallout um, about, the, you know, not getting picked at Liverpool. Um, and, and, and Gibbs White's been starting every game since then. And, and, the, the, the other lads, is it Danilo? He's been playing alongside him and he's been playing really good as well. So they've got that form, they've got that that, that understanding working together. Um, yeah, big, big three points for them. Um, if you were saying it on paper, everybody would say this is the three points that they need. You know, Southampton being bottom of the league. So the fact they've done it, it was always going to be an edgy game. You know, Southampton, they've shown plenty of times that they can come back um, in games. Um, so it was always going to be that type of game. Um, big shout out, by the way, for um, a one me second goal. It was very Drogba. See yeah, the way, that. see the way that, see the way he chested that down and turned and just swiped it. Literally, just thought a Drogba when he hit that, and I'm like, that's not seen a goal like that for you know in the Premier League for a while from a number nine. Um, he, yeah, he he, he he did he, he did really good yesterday. Good, it's Southampton for not giving up, but it shows. You know, you look at their goals yesterday. Um, it wasn't led by an outstanding tacking display. It wasn't like a dynamic number nine. They were just lucky to get, you know, some bad defending and rushing the box and getting shots away. Um, the corner, for example. Whereas if you look at Forests, it was always about feeding the number nine, feeding and feeding the attacking players and getting into it. Um, so big three points for Newt Nottingham Forest. We fully anticipated they were going to get those three points. It's in their hands now. That's probably what I would say. Yeah, they put themselves in a, a really, yeah. really good position. But just just on Southampton, um, then they they're gone. You know, they're done. That they're not they're not getting out of this. But you think the decision to sack Harson was the right one? Um, do you think they would have been able to get out of it if they would have kept him? Hindsight's a wonderful thing, you know, and I think that's that's prevailed, you know, throughout this Premier League season. Um. I would probably simplify it and say, are they better off now than when they had Hasselhoff? The answer is probably no. They're not better off. Now you can take the Nathan Jones saga out of it, and and even the the new guy, they were still probably in a better position with Hasselhoff, and he's got a track record of getting them out of that dogfight, or he survived a couple of times. So I wouldn't say it was the wrong decision, but I would say that they're not in a better situation because of it. Yeah, no, it's, it, hindsight is a, is, a, is a wonderful thing. I think they was always heading that way, I think, to be honest, even if he would have stayed. Um, but as you said, we'll, I suppose we'll, we'll never know. But uh, we've got a third. A third. Graham's joined us. Uh, thanks for coming, mate. Um, you've missed out the two, the, the big relegation battle games, <laughs> but um, I'll bring you in nicely for the, uh, the, the Newcastle-Arsenal uh, game, which was the uh, late one on, on Sunday night. Um, but I think again another result we all got wrong. I think we all predicted Newcastle would come away with with, with something from this one. But what, what did you make of Arsenal's performance? Some some of their fans are saying it's their best away performance of the season. And to be fair, I thought they were very very good. Um, where I thought 
they did crumble early on, but they, but they didn't. Yeah, first of all, apologies for my uh, for my late coming. I just assumed you'd just be getting to the, the end of the first 20 minutes of Jamie talking out Liverpool anyway. So, um, Graham, I think you've got a bit of tomato sauce on your face still, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, listen, Arsenal, it was always going to be a tough one. Like, they had to get that win to keep it alive, even if a lot of people don't think it's... Still alive, a man set or too good, unlikely to slip up, etc. They had to go, they had to win, and they did it. And I think the most impressive part about that performance was just how solid they looked. It wasn't like, look, Arsenal have been really entertaining all season, but to, to me personally, watching it just felt like a wee bit of a different performance. It just felt like a really kind of solid performance, one of those that, um, one of those really, that kind of team that. that you know, go on and win a title, for example. And it, I think they are going to be really unlucky now we're at that stage of the season where, you know, Man City might just be too good. But listen, it was a it was a great performance, um, a great win. And I think it kind of just showed maybe just how just that we tier below Newcastle are um, compared to where they maybe want to be next season or a building forward, which look, we all knew there's nothing wrong with that. We know Newcastle aren't at that level, but... You know, that probably gave them something to think about as well. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I still, it, that gap maybe between them and the, the top two was, was showing. But, but Jamie, on on Newcastle then, um, they haven't kept a clean sheet in their, their last seven, which was one that surprised me. You think how well they've done earlier in the season with the clean sheets were, were, were racking up. Um, but it's only there, I think it's the third te- Premier League team to beat uh, Newcastle under Eddie Howe at St James's Park. So, to be fair, as much as you know, you could you could pick out Newcastle's performance. You've, as as Graham just said, there you've, you've got to give Arsenal credit for going up there and and putting on that type of performance. When really, if they'd have come away with anything other than you know, if they'd have got a draw, you know, or got beat, the title would have been done. Yeah, um, they have kept it alive. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. I think Newcastle are in this weird bit of form where where they started to score a lot more than one or goal, one or two goals in their game, but they're not keeping clean sheets anymore. And I think that's starting to catch up with them. Game's 100% right. That felt very much Arsenal were like, not, I wouldn't say men against boys, but it was like a different step of class that they presented. And what Arsenal did really well is they played Newcastle to their own game. See this game management that, that Newcastle have been, you know, a bit shithousery with all season. Um, you know, killing attacks by having the ball, having the dead ball, uh, you know, taking ages to take a, a corner kick or a throw-in. Arsenal did exactly that to them. And I don't think Newcastle liked it. Um, every time Newcastle had any kind of momentum, the Arsenal players were kind of sitting on the floor a little bit longer. Xhaka was doing it as well. For some reason, he seemed absolutely rattled, didn't he? Like he was desperate to have a fight with somebody on Sunday. Um, it was a proper fight. You go back against the Liverpool game and you just think, surely he's learned not to do that. Like, because they were winning at the time and you just think, oh, is this going to be a bit of egg in his face again? But they, they seen it through. And I think the big difference was Jorginho. Jorginho was brilliant at the weekend. Um, and, and hats off to Odegaard because I don't think anybody would have gotten him, put him down for having 15 league goals this season. And that first goal was tremendous. Um, really, 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 really good performance from him. But Newcastle are just kind of... I think they know they're in the top four now for the end of the season. They're just kind of footing in the way through. Um, I don't anticipate them getting caught by anybody to take them out of those top four spots. 
they just probably need the season to finish now is probably the best thing to say. It's amazing when you speak about Odegaard. It's, uh, he's finally, I mean, this season he's shown that player yeah. why Real Madrid bought him. I mean, yeah. I think he walks into any midfield in the world just now. Pure and simple. I think the guy is absolutely sensational. Mm-hmm. And it's good to see because obviously when Real Madrid signed him, he was so young. Yeah, he was 16, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it can go a couple of ways, but he's really fought at his career. He's went and loan a few times, and, and yeah. obviously he's back to Arsenal um, and captain and, and looking absolutely unbelievable. Everything has to go through him, mm-hmm. everything, and he's that he is that good. Yeah, the one thing I was very impressed with him about because you know, as you're right, there was a lot of talk about him coming to Liverpool when he was hosting who he was going to, um, and obviously he chose to he chose to go to Madrid, which was fine, um, but. He dropped down. He didn't walk into the Madrid team. He went into the Madrid under-21 team and played for their juniors. And then he went out and loan um, and did a couple of seasons. And, and, but when he did that loan at Arsenal, it was always a bit of a, let's see how he gets on. And he played pretty okay. But then they signed him and made him captain. That was impressive for me. Like, that was a big call. Because, obviously, remember, they, they took the captaincy off Xhaka uh, because of he was he had to fall out with the fans and stuff. And he gave it to Odegaard. And to me, Odegaard's... 10 times the player he is now than what he was at the, this time last season. I think he's just come on leaps and bounds this season. I think he's been brilliant. Yeah. Confidence in games. Yeah. That's, that's it. And he's, he's, he's still, Arsenal fans, obviously, I think a lot of them will be really disappointed, obviously, if they come away not winning the league this season, considering. But then, if you actually look at their squad and look at how young they are. Martinelli, they, Saka, Odegaard. It's frightening. It really is. If they recruit well, again, mm-hmm. They, 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 I think it's a really, you know, that's that's the big one, isn't it? Because they've recruited so well, and as you said, the age is there and what they've mm-hmm. got. They've got to keep that together, but just to add one or two quality mm-hmm. players. Um, they, they've had some criticism, I think, for their January signings, but I, I, I thought they was at the time, you know. I, I think one of the differences is that see when so Saliba started the season brilliant, and he was arguably on course to being one of the best defenders in the league. Then he got his injury, and then they had Rob Holden. And Rob Holden, unfortunately, just, you know, he's been there for donkey's years. It's probably those kind of players that they need to shift on and bring in better quality. Um, I know, I noticed he dropped Holden at the weekend, didn't he? He played, he played the, the Polish like Kawori, who, who again is like 21 years old. He's played the last two games. So again, looks another astute about purchase that they've got. Um, I, I don't. So the difference is, see when a team like this play really good. So you look at Brighton, for example. Brighton are going to struggle to keep hold of those players going into the next season. I don't think Arsenal have that problem. Arsenal are big enough club, and there's talk that Saka's about to sign his new deal. Martinelli's already signed his. Odegaard's just been made captain and just signed. So the, the, the core of their team, you know, I think is going to be really good. The goalkeeper as well has probably been arguably one of the best keepers in the league, and he's a good young age as well. I'll, I'll bang, I'll bang on about this. Honestly, for the rest of the season, the signings Arsenal made in January, well, not the signings Arsenal. Well, you've triggered him, Mason. You've triggered him. But, <laughs> January is such a hard month. Though, isn't it? But, no, I get, I get that. But January. look, last last two games aside, Janino starts both right. If you look at the runner games before them, um, Janino and um, Janino, Giorgino and Trossard. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not in the starting eleven for a, I don't know, a large string of games. I'd need to look yeah. and go back and all that, but they weren't. Now, if if you've signed a real, a real 
difference making player to your team in January that that's that could be the difference that it pushed them over the line. Yeah. Like no no doubt about it. Do, and, do you think Race would be that? Sorry. Do you think Declan Race would be that? Because obviously there's a lot of talk right now about Declan Race going to Arsenal. I just don't see Arsenal paying 120 million for him. That sounds absolutely mental. That's never happened in January, though. And no, no. That's that's the problem. I totally get what you're saying, Graham, but they're not getting them game changers in January. Mudrick wouldn't have changed. Mudrick wouldn't have won on the league, by the way, if that would have gone through. And that was their main target. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. You're not getting them game changers. Maybe. they're not a club that goes and spends spends a hundred hundred and twenty million. We we one we don't we don't know how Midrick would have been at Arsenal. Chelsea's been an absolute embarrassment for the last six months. It seems like the morale within the place, players not being able to yeah. change in the dressing room and all that. There's no there's no way that doesn't affect somebody like Midrick. I absolutely totally believe if Midrick goes to Arsenal, um that's just a different kind of level of player that could help Arsenal push the title. Those are the points that might matter at the end of the season. Um, the, in terms of the players that you can buy in January, look at look at the players Chelsea bought. Just because they're doing terribly doesn't mean the players they bought aren't it's, it's the cost of it. No, I know I get that. 115 million on Enzo Fernandez and it inflates the market for a central midfield. Do you know what I mean? Next minute, the David Moises saying he's obviously talking up, saying Declan Race is the best English midfielder. Any Champions League team is going to be looking at 120 million. You're like. He's got about 18 months left in his contract. You know, let's, is, that, is that really? You just need to look at the history of the English market. Premier League to Premier League is horrendously overrated. Yeah. It always yeah, has been and it always will be. Harry Maguire to um, what Declan Rice might go to, it's ludicrous. When mm-hmm. you look at Rio Ferdinand back in the day going by 30 million smashing it, I mean, that's probably when it really started going wild in the Premier League, let's face it. So, look, that number, is Declan Rice worth it? No. But is he worth it if a team's willing to pay it? Yes, I guess, if Arsenal think that's a player that's going to push them towards a title do, next do, season. Do you think that's the kind of player that they need? I mean, obviously you're talking about the, the, the you know, take January transfers away. They're obviously going to go again in the summer. And, then, you know, we're talking about they've got a young team and they, they need to fill a few holes. Yeah. Is it that think, kind of a player that they need? I think that kind of defensive midfielder. I also think a, a big bastard centre-back would be good for, for Arsenal as well. Like, I, I do think couple of defensive players maybe midfield and in defence because that the starting front three I think are definitely good enough shown mm-hmm. by form this season really to, to win the league I think what's let like Arsenal down mm-hmm. is some sloppy goals and when your Zinchenko's aren't playing well etc um, yeah. I think that's what let, it's let Arsenal down so yeah maybe maybe a Declan Rice who knows but I'm on 20 million uh, that is the thing that's what you're saying up. you're right yeah and, and that's where I don't see Arsenal but that. I just don't yeah, see I don't. Yeah, 120 million for a midfielder that he's a good player, but he don't score 10 goals a season. He doesn't assist 10 goals a season. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous, man. Well, think of it this way. What did they pay for Odegaard? Uh, 35? 35, 35, 40, is it? 35, he's 40? got 15 goals a season, so you're not paying 120 for that kind of race, are you? <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. But as Graham said, English players... Yeah, so it comes with a tax. Yeah, it's just it's nuts. But we will touch on Declan Rice again mm-hmm. uh, a little bit, little bit later on. But but Graham, coming back to you then. Um, next one, Man City, big win for them, two one win against Leeds. Sam Allardyce uh, going in there. Obviously, his post match uh, press conference was a bit uh, strange, um, saying that he was up there. What was it better than Pep? It was and, up there with better up there with Pep and Klopp. Jesus, he taught uh, he taught football more than they did or something. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
I think he said he was better. Like he was better than them. He'd just never been given an elite Premier League team to kind of prove that with trophies, etc. Like what he said was embarrassing, ludicrous. <laughs> and Jones I don't. Style it. <laughs> I don't really see. It's not like oh, he's he's at it there. He's playing mind games. I, I don't see what made that as at all. I think he's made himself look a bit like an ass. Yeah, look, Leeds ran Man City close. Obviously, not really. If you look at the if you look at the game itself, stats, etc. But I think that it was a lot tighter than people might have expected it to be. Um, I think it would have made for a good story had Sam Allardyce's first game away to Man City ended up in a point. Um, but it didn't. Man City won. And again, we're talking about they've been on this ludicrous form, a great run, but scoring an absolute ton of goals. But, you know, against a kind of sticky opposition in Leeds who've got Sam Allardyce coming in battling relegation. They've 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 got they've got through that with a 2-1 victory and again those are the victories that win your titles. Yeah Jamie just just on that I think Graham summed it up well there but um it was I watched it was a bit of a strange one obviously because of the coronation Saturday it was on Sky at three o'clock mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. watched it I thought they were so good first half you're watching it again this could be any score but the last few games I've watched Man City I'm seeing a little bit of complacency kick in and I know Pep absolutely went mental Shook, didn't yeah, yeah. which 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 you would because all it took was a you know a, a set piece or a mistake and leads a, a level and then everything gets thrown up. With the, you know, with the title, I, I am seeing a little bit of complacency. I think, again, you know, letting Gundogan take the, the penalty for the hat-trick when you've got a player that scored the amount of goals that Holland you know that is, that's, that's just, I, I do believe that that's purely Holland's naivety. He's so young. Like yeah, he's, you know, a lot of the reports that you hear when they, I mean, they did it before the Champions League game tonight, and and Rodri was talking, and he's like, it's, it's, you have to pinch yourself to remember actually how young he actually is, you know. But he embodies, embodies the team. He gets involved. He, he loves having a laugh. He, he, he always makes sure everybody's doing okay. And he says, you don't get that really from twenty-one-year-olds and in, in, in these days of life. I do believe that Harlem was just going, Gundy, go get your hat trick, mate. Do you know what I mean? I've got my record. Go get your hat trick. Five years from now, he'll hundred percent be ruthless and go give me the fucking ball. <laughs> Nobody's taking it off. But do you get what I mean? Like, like you can't see you. You wouldn't. Harry Kane wouldn't have given that ball up. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it, it. And I just believe that Holland was just trying to be the team player. He was trying to do the the right thing. Some, you know, if he would have put that in the net, everybody would have went, "Oh, Holland's the fucking. He does it for the team because he just, you know, it would have been a, a good story to tell." This talks Gundogan's going to be leaving soon, so you know, to kind of finish off, he's never got a hat trick before. I can totally understand why he did it. But yeah, the ruthlessness of Pep, he was not happy with that after. And you can see that. And you can even see him clear as day shouting down the camera, next time you fucking take it, you were meant to take it. And as you said, it ignited Leeds a little bit. I did think it was an absolute crazy decision to um, change the goalkeeper. Like of all the people he could have changed, you know, he changed the goalkeeper. um, And, you know, when those two goals went in, you thought, well, he's had an absolute mare here. This could be six or sevens. But City just took the foot off the gas. They just, you know, they, as you said, they, I wouldn't call it complacent. They just they just eased off a little bit. Um, and the penalty save just ignited it, really. Um, they're kind of lucky to hold on at the end. I think they did it, they did it also against, was that Leicester a few weeks ago? Where yeah. any actual could have got two in the last 92, yeah. 93 minutes or something. This game says, you know, this is the business end of the season. City still get it done. They know how to do it, and this is why 
the ore is immense as the ore. I'm going. I'm going to be really interested to see um, that game at Goodison. Um, the next, the next league game, obviously. But that's the thing. See, after last night, you're like, that's not an easy three points move. And um, sorry, Mason, I'm probably forcing your hand moving on to Everton, unless we've discussed them already before I came on. Uh, <laughs> but um, they was first on the first on the list tonight. <laughs> great, great. So obviously we've discussed them already, but I think. Um, Man City going there after a great result last night. Um, it's going to it's going to be interesting. Look, Goodison's not an easy place to go, and I think that is a really big test. I think I think it's probably safe to say Man City can get through that kind of game. What's sandwiched in between the games with Real Madrid is probably looking good. Let's face it. Yeah, that, that you you actually put on that one next week is is uh, is, is one that make or break the title. That, um, but. It'll be, be, be interesting to see. But, but Jamie, I'll, I'll come back to you. We'll, we'll, we'll go to the next one. We will. Declan Rice is on the list and it's his, his team that, that beat Man United 1-0. Um, Man United, the last two games I've watched them, I'll, I'll start with them, Jamie. I know you love them, but uh, <laughs> they, they are they're bang average for me. They're, they are bang average. Um, I think that's eight defeats in the Premier League for, for Man United. Oh, oh, no, 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 Mason. I brought you a stat, mate. I brought you a stat. I know you're going to love this. It, love this. Eight, eight, so, eight Premier League so, away defeats. So, right? so, hang on. No, so, hang on. So, Man United, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the worst season he ever had was eight Premier League losses. Eric Ten Hag, who's the saviour of Man U, has now got his ninth Premier League loss this season. So, he's actually eclipsed the form of what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did in his last two seasons. I'm going to make you, I'm, I don't know how, but I'm going to make you a stat jingle for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hit a button yeah. and it just kicks in a jingle. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> You're going to, yeah. It's a, it's, a good, it's a good start, but then yeah. he's, yeah, inconsistency has been Man U's, Man U's issue, but then they might yeah. still win two trophies this year, so yeah. finish top four, so. I, th- I think the key thing is that they've, you know, if I was to give them any kind of get out of jail card, they've still got this inconsistency at the back in the defence line. So, like, you know, Martinez is obviously out for the remainder of the season. They're playing Luke Shaw at central left back and this boy Malassia at left back. Now, God love him. I certainly am not saying the singing praises, but you've got two registered centre backs sitting on the bench in Harry Maguire. And uh, Varano Lindelof, whoever's not playing, I don't get how he keeps persisting with this 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 formation that that obviously isn't working. Casemiro being back, I think, is a big thing for them, but also so is Ericsson, and they've kind of shored up that midfield. But there's just something at the moment that reminds me of Bruno Fernandez is playing like. Do you remember how Ronaldo was in his last season where he's like, every time I want the ball, give me the ball, and if it doesn't go through me, I'm not being part of it. I kind of see those traits in Fernandez right now. Like I know he's the captain, but it's like if he's not had a good game, the team don't have a good game. And I think that's kind of been a, bit, a little bit infectious across the team. They've obviously got the inconsistency with the fact that they don't have a number nine proper. I know a decent number nine. Uh, that way, of course, is they said he'd come in and do a job. I'm not really sure what that job is now. His first couple like his first couple of games was about heading the ball and getting them onto the second ball. I don't think he does that anymore. Um, so, yeah, Rashford was always going to burn out. And we, we, we always said, you know, Rashford burning out was always going to be the hindrance of how they go forward. Um, and the fact he's dried up in his goals means that they are starting to drop points. Um, 
However, you can't not skim over that and then not talk about the fact that David De Gea had an absolute howler. Hey. Like that. I mean, you could put in, you could put in a sixteen-year-old and he'd know how to save that. Um, it was, it wasn't even close as a as a you know overly strong shot. It was just the way he palmed it. Um, so that's obviously a big negative for him. Um, I don't. The problem is that they don't. They, they have Jack Butland as their second option, so it's not like they, you know, they have a ready-made one that can come in and do them a job. So they're not going to drop the hair, but he's always got a mistake in him. He he must cost them seven out of the nine defeats, right? Uh, Damien, he's, 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 uh... he's, I, I would say he's not as he's not as costly as somebody like Larissa Tottenham. Who can you know probably lets in about he probably throws about twelve goals in. David De Gea just has a mare every now and again. Um, the one thing that was a bit concerning though, there was I, I seen it again today actually on Twitter. There was a, a few video clips of his passing out, like the, you know simple twenty yard balls that were going nowhere near the defenders and were actually going more towards the West Ham players. And you just think, I mean that's obviously an instruction he's been given, but it's got to go to the player. It can't go to the space surely. Spaces for you to run into, not for your defender to take a charge and run out of. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the hair as well because the, the wages is on there. I don't see him anyone yeah. really in a rush to, to come and get him, but I do think that that is an area that if Man United want to, you know, compete for league title, they're going to need to. He's been there way, way too long. But but Graham, we've, we've got to obviously touch on touch on West Ham. It's a big big win for them. I thought they were the better side. Um, I don't know Man United earlier on had a couple of half chances, but um, I thought Declan Rice. I know you, we, we we just touched on him there, but I do think he had a, another really really good game, and um, that's West Ham's sake surely now on on thirty seven points. Yeah, it's, I would I would say that's that's probably right. I think it was um, Cara on Sky Sports was saying he, he reckons thirty five um, will probably keep you safe this uh, this season. Looking at some of the run-ins, I actually think it might be lower than that so yeah West Ham are safe big boost for them going into their big European uh, tie coming up um, and yeah probably probably a good end of, end of the season for them and, and we spoke about it before if, if they can if they can get that European trophy and walk into the Europa League next season as well then I think they, their fans will be absolutely delighted but yes they'll need to do better in the Premier League next season or it probably will be curtains for Moyes. I think he's been given this season just from last season's European performances, this season's as well, um, and maybe his stature, but yeah, it'll need to improve next season for them. It is mad to think that he could, obviously, they've had a poor season in the Premier League, but they could win a European trophy, get pop one of the Europa League, and there's 90% of the support still want Moyes at the door. It's, it's, it's bonkers. I was listening to, uh, I think it was, Hawksport on Monday and they were actually asking that question after because they were talking about obviously the game and a lot of callers actually called up and they were saying bring in um, Michael Carrick because he plays attacking football and I feel it's absolutely crazy that you know he's had a really good season with Middlesbrough his first job he's obviously got the top goal scorer in, in Akpom but taking that to West Ham's a whole different ball game like you don't. I, I, I just seen that. I think that would be crazy, but I don't think unless Moyes wins that trophy, I don't think he's there next season because I think fan pressure. I think they'll call for a new head. However, if he wins the tournament, then they'll go. We'll give him to the start of the season and we'll see how he gets on, kind of thing. And that's the shame because Moyes will just be on borrowed time every time. 
Um, big shout out to the boy Paqueta. I think he's been brilliant from this season. Um, I think they'll do well to keep hold of him. You know, they paid relatively cheap for him. I think it was about 30 million. You could easily see somebody paying, you know, double that for somebody like him. I was actually quite surprised that no one else went for him, obviously, from a from a Rangers point of view, seeing him when he played for Leon. Uh, mm-hmm. I was actually really surprised that, that West Ham managed yeah, that was his choice. without... No, not even that. Just more about that there wasn't any any more clubs sniffing about him. I, I don't know if there was. I, I thought it just seemed like West Ham and he, and he went in their Premier League. I, I genuinely thought there might have been quite a few clubs sniffing about him, but but there you go. You're you're right. He's he's quality, and you know they might they might make a lot of money off him, like they will Declan Rice. Do you know what though with Paquette? I've got to be honest. I think he's took him till February to really get grips of the Premier League. I think he, he, he added injuries well, though, didn't he, over Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Like he come back from the World Cup a bit injured, didn't he? He shows glimpses of what he's got, um, but I'll be honest. I'm looking at it. I can't see him getting into. You know, Arsenal, City, I think Liverpool when they recruit, they were that them forwards. I, I think he's good. I think he's a good, good player. But I, unless he goes abroad, I think I think he'll be. At yeah, I, I, I think he would go abroad, and I think somebody would pay. You know, you could see him at a, a Champions League team. That's probably the best way to say it. At a yeah. Champions League team, they could probably yeah. get double what they paid for him, um, and and he would probably fit into most European squads if you like. Um, he does have that. As you said, he shows a bit of glimpse of a bit of a Brazilian flair every now and again, um, and and he's, he's he turns out for the Brazilian national team every time they call call up the squad. He's always one of the first names in there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. I really like him. Yeah, yeah, no, nice one. And and, and Graham, come, come back to you then. Fulham um, beat Leicester five three. That was a result I don't think any of us could have predicted with it with the eight goals. Um, Fulham getting their 14th Premier League win of the season, um, but. I've got to say, full, uh, Leicester's defending. I think um, listening to Dean Smith, he was happy he could get um, his two centre halves in with Fares and uh, Sonicu. Sonicu is, is that it? Sonicu. Um, and, and, and they both had an absolute mare. And every again, every time Fulham went forward, it could have been, you know, they, they look like they're going to score. I, I think Leicester. I think it's fair to say that it's looking like they're, they're going to get they're going to go down. It does. I can't believe that, to be honest. I really thought that they would survive. But when you look at throughout the last three games, it does not look good for them. You also look at the relegation rivals, Forest get a win, Everton score five when you when Leicester are conceding five. Goal difference is pretty tight down there, especially when you look at it between uh, Everton, Leicester and, and Leeds. So, I mean, Leicester really, for one, you cannot be conceding five goals when you're trying to avoid relegation. Those next two games are not looking good for them. I think for Leicester, if it if it does come to that, it might might just come to the last game of the season for them. So it's squeaky bum time to, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I, I've seen yesterday as well. That, sorry, Mason. I've seen yesterday's one. One does it kind of um, Leicester? I've got seven players out of contract at the end of the season. That's far too many for a Premier League team. Now, you know, if you go down, that might be a good thing, but the drop in quality, you know, the, you look at the people that they brought in this year, they brought two central defenders in, and the boys Suter and Wout Faye, they've been absolutely abysmal. Like, yesterday's defending was just non-existent at all. That That is super worrying, I think. Yeah, no, it's 21 losses for Leicester in the Premier League this season. 
Um, and that's the that's most mens- that's mental. That's the Premier League champions from like what six years ago, right. and yeah. the, the, that's absolutely not sad. And it's their most since 1994-95, where they were relegated that season as well. So uh, Brighton's Brighton's on the wall uh, for them for them, Jamie. But um, I've got you've got to say again, credit Fulham. Everything that's been good about Fulham going forward, that they, they look dangerous. And uh, even Tom Tom Kearney got uh, got <laughs> forgotten man. <laughs> but, but you look at the last couple of weeks. The last couple of weeks, Harry Wilson stepped up to the plate. Tom Kearney stepped up to the plate. You know, if you go back to you know, when um, just before Mitrovic got his ban, they, they, they were getting goals from William. The boy Solomon was coming on and getting them. Like, none of these players are going at the moment. Only William's probably the only one that survived. They've got, they're getting goals from all over the place, which is really good to see. I think Mitrovic's ban's up this weekend. I think he's going to have a challenge of whether or not to put him back in the squad because arguably Carlos Vinicius is, you know, he's, he's done well. Don't get me wrong. I think Vinicius, I, I, I think Benjamin does go back into the squad, but it's just one of them ones that they haven't missed him, in my opinion. I think they've done really well without him. Um, and yeah, they, they 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 were just a different level um, compared to Leicester yesterday. Um, they've also got the lad back at right back, is it Tete? He came yeah. back yesterday as well, um, and you know he got he grabbed himself as assist. It was like they were all queuing up yesterday to get a goal. Um, the one with the one the one weird one that I've, I've been trying to work out is why after starting the season with Ashley Wood did they drop him for the boy Everson? I think Everson's played the last seven games and he's only kept one clean sheet. So they tell, it tells you there's something's either a bit of disconnect that's happened there, or I mean they've got a new manager in, but even the new manager's still not playing Wood, so there's obviously something going on in the background there. Yes, yeah, I don't know. That that was a strange one at the start of the season. That's when I think everyone could see what was going on. But Leicester is letting you know Schmeichel go, who's obviously been brilliant for him and probably one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League over the last few years, and then. Not yeah, I, th- I think he had a big fall though, didn't he? And um, it wasn't with I think it was him and Rogers. Um, and I think to be honest, Ward's not. My opinion, Ward's not good enough. He's not no, a no. goalkeeper. No. So Smith's came in, knows that, and has maybe just tried to change it up and, and change the goalkeeper. And that's no, but Everson was Everson was changed before Smith came in. That's what I mean. So, so, so Smith's played what is it the last two or three games or something, and I think Everson's played like the last seven, maybe eight games. So I think there's obviously something that's happened pre then. Normally, when a new manager comes in, he goes right, forget what's happened, clear the decks, let's everybody get back to it. But for whatever reason, Ward's not I'm back in. But I do believe Ward's a better keeper than Everson. I mean, he does he does ten goal for for his national team, but there just seems to be something going on in the background there. Um, I think it, just just the case he's just not. He's not good, not enough. good enough. It's not as if he was setting the one. No, of course no. Like so, I think it, when you're when you're on a downturn, yeah, okay, it was under Rogers, but mm-hmm. you need to start somewhere. You need to make changes, and he's maybe thought like I'll change the keeper. Is what it is. Yeah, look, they need to strengthen that that department. If they manage to stay in the Premier League, mm-hmm. as Mason says, you, you lose Casper Michael, and you don't replace him. You're, yeah, yeah, like one of your. The leaders of the team been there for years, won the the league, the FA Cup, mm-hmm. etc., and, and they don't replace him. It was a it was a weird one, but they they maybe are the victims of their own downfall because they just didn't spend whatever the whatever those reasons were. I, I don't know offhand, but they didn't spend. They had the financial fair play process issues at the beginning of the season. Um, they 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 were they were reporting losses of nearly a hundred million. They were going to get hit with a financial fair 
play issue. So as a way to balance it out, they sold Fofana to Chelsea. However, the talk was they were still going to have these challenges coming the end of the season. And the talk was that Madison was going to be the makeshift at the end of the season to kind of balance the books again. But I think back at Christmas, Mason, I think it was, that the the Leicester owners come in and cleared, the, cleared all the debts. So he's yeah. kind of reset it. So if anything, it's got a bit of a good solid platform to build from right now. The yeah. problem is, is if they're not in the Premier League, it's uh, it's a different platform to be working from, isn't it? That's another one. And just on Leicester, a player that we said there, that Madison will, will definitely go, I think even if they stay in the Premier League. One one player that I would be looking at if I was probably just outside that top four is Harvey Barnes. I think he is he's in a very good team. I think he'd do, do really well. He gets in them positions and he's deadly. I like um, him. I like him. I think he's very much a one-trick pony. But, you know, if you look at the if you look at the top six teams, I don't think he gets in their squads or or their he doesn't get onto their pitch. So who you're looking at? You're looking at a Villa or a you know a Newcastle or somebody or a West Ham. I think it's yeah. that kind of a level he's probably got to go to. Um, but he's he's arguably one of the more positive players that they have, definitely. But I mean, yeah, you, you're probably right. He probably doesn't get in a you know he doesn't get in a Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, no. but. You know, for the money you'd be able to get him for it in, 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 in if they do go down there, yeah. Um, especially in being English, I think that it'd be one that you know, which may maybe Spurs. You know, their, their options they've got. <laughs> I, don't I think it'll be see, 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 see your coming up. Those kind of teams, I think it'll be those ones that are probably looking at him. Your Bunleys or you know your son, Sheffield Uniteds. I think it'll be those kind of teams that'll be looking at. As you said, he'll he'll be the more cheaper version than than a James Madison or uh, you know other basic wingers. You could probably pick him up for just shy of twenty million. So let's just say because he's probably not on big wages at Leicester either. No, that'll be be interesting to see what if they do go down, how they, how they recover from that. But yeah. but Graham. Next one, Bournemouth um, looked like those on their their holidays um, on the weekend, and Chelsea uh, <laughs> are safe, uh, and they got they got three three points at last. They uh, ended a, a run of seven Premier League games without a win. Um, but to be fair, Bournemouth did have a couple of chances at one or where it could have gone either way. So it wasn't like it was a it was a comfortable afternoon for for Chelsea, but but actually a big win, all things considered. No, it was never going to be a comfortable afternoon for Chelsea. I think Lampard was probably relieved more than anything win to secure their place in the Premier League next season. Uh, <laughs> and in all seriousness, though, I mean, we spoke about it. They could have quite conceivably win the rest of the season without winning. I mean, I would have thought that would be probably one of the worst strains in the history of the Premier League for a manager. Let's, honestly, let's face it, his record from, from Everton going into Chelsea is appalling. So, look, I think he needed that win. Chelsea needed that win. Um, yeah, on the face of it, they've got nothing to play for now. They're not going to achieve anything. But, I mean, they had to pick up wins somewhere. So, yeah, as you say, it could have went, could have went the other way quite easily. It didn't. 3-1, quite comfortable. And Bournemouth are, Bournemouth are safe now anyway um, yeah. as well. And I think uh, fair play to them. Absolutely yeah. fair play to them. Yeah, not, not, not too much to sort of cover on that. Bournemouth have done the, the, the hard work already and, and they're safe and, and it is a, you know... So Jamie, I won't sort of get you to, to go over that one. Another another nothing game really was Spurs beating Palace one 0 Harry Kane 
with the winner. I, I watched a bit of that, and it was very much like an end of season game. That yeah, it was one. <laughs> yeah, not not a lot happened. Um, but what, what did you make of that one? Yeah, exactly as you said. It was a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, it's for Tottenham. It was about stopping that free fall, wasn't it? You know, they they had the hand on the on the, you know, they had one hand on the top four running, if you like. They're now out of that, and it's about where they finish up. So they're obviously trying to play for something. Um, you would anticipate they would have won at the weekend purely on the basis of they're at home. Um, however, I think the most telling thing was that Mason um, Ryan Mason dropped Eric Dyer which I thought was a big call um, because they have looked massively erratic at the back in the last season and uh, this season don't necessarily think it's Dyer's fault, but he, he obviously made a decision and, and they came out on top. Um, no surprise. It was obviously Harry Kane that scored the goal, but I was actually more surprised that Palace didn't score because they, they had their opportunities as well. Um, considering how many goals they have scored in recent games to, to, to register, a, you know, not a goal was probably more of the, more of the shock, but yeah. Tottenham three points was probably, you know, one of the ones that you call it before the before the games as a prediction. Yeah. I think obviously the most important thing as well is you know, Palace are mathematically safe. And that's yeah. the that's the biggest thing for them. So you've got Super Roy Hodgson, he's came in, he's done his job. He can go back, light his fag and walk into the sunset, man. Enjoy it. Okay, so the sunset. So another round of applause. Enjoy, enjoy it. Retirement like, in three years or something. Enjoy it like the hero he is, man. What a guy. What a guy. It's funny you. It's funny you say that. Say that, Graham, because Palace historically won in the Premier League when they are safe. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. They just take the foot right off the gas. They go on their holidays and they won't win again. Um, yeah. And it's something that, that, funny enough, was speaking to, to my uncle, who's a big, big Palace fan, and he said. Uh, we're safe now. We probably won't pick another point. And uh, it looked like that, as you said. You know, when when when's the last time Spurs kept a, a clean sheet? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, Mason, uh, I was, was going to ask you, Mason, is what's the talk like about? Because obviously, obviously, the Palace fans are going to be loving Roy, but they know from what I hear, Roy's already confirmed he's not going to be there next season. Mm-hmm. So that leaves Palace in a bit of the shitter, in my opinion. What is the talk? Of, have they are they sniffing people out? Do they do they have a preference or? Brendan Rodgers seems to be uh, the, the, the who they, who they want. Um, I think that one, it depends, obviously, what happens elsewhere. You know, we mm-hmm. were talking about West Ham earlier, and I think that they're, you know, they're, they I think Rodgers would be a good fit for West Ham, but I think West Ham fans have got this um, mindset where they should be looking higher. Mm-hmm. You know, just whatever reason they think that we 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 should be going there, and I, and I think, but 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 Palace, I think Rogers seems to be the one. The only thing is, when when um, Steve Parrish has come away from that safe, and he's tried to be a little bit different, it, it mm-hmm. hasn't paid off. You go back to Frank De Boer, um, yeah. and that was a that was one where it was a little bit different. But I, I think I think Rogers is different. I think Rogers would be a you know a good appointment. The only the only thing is Parrish is quite um, strong in the way that he runs the football club, and Brendan Rogers is. Very, he's got his own way. He wants to be more hands on, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, so that might be it. But um, yeah, Rogers seems to be the one the fans the fans want. But yeah, it'll be interesting because Roy Foster Coglu's the one I've been hearing. Poster Coglu's obviously even from West Ham, from a West Ham point of view, you know his name doesn't go away. Um, as he was obviously doing, he's obviously got a bit of success outside the Premier League, and it's whether or not he can come down and do that in the English Premier League. I hope so. <laughs> Generally, I do, and I hate him, but I genuinely hope so. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about him, though. That, I mean, 
he'd really need a, a, a pre-season. You know, he's not... I don't think he's the kind of manager who... Um, you get midway through or something. Yeah, to comes in a February. Yeah. Like, it took, it's a project manager. It, it, it did take a wee bit of time to implement his ideas at Celtic. I remember they lost their first three away games and stuff mm-hmm. in the league, etc. And and obviously, yes, they're now flying. So it wouldn't surprise me, mm-hmm. but I think they um they would need to they would need to get them in pre season. Yeah. Well, I think I think Parish is you know no matter which way they look at it, Parish knows. And everybody knows they're going to be bringing somebody in, so he can't afford to wait until the season kicks off before he kind of brings somebody in. He's got to bring somebody in mega early, in my opinion. Do, do you think now, both of you, that I watch this, but, but just on post if if a team, you know, like Palace come in for him, do you think what's happened with Gerard and then uh, what? Because obviously living down here, I get a lot of people comparing Postacoglu and Samuel Gerard done. You know, mm-hmm. it's when I'm beaten, he come down here and he couldn't cut it. Probably uh, arguable, well, they are a bigger club than Crystal Palace. But would you think that would have second thoughts for, 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 for clubs? Or do you think they'll just go totally different manager, different style? It will be different. Yeah, I don't I don't think it would give clubs any second thoughts. I think they will have their own due process. They'll look at a manager on his own merits, uh, the, the style of football they play, I think. Yeah, okay, Gerard didn't work. Uh, and I'm not convinced the reasons he went down there were purely for football. Anyway, he said there was family reasons involved. If Postic Ogle were to leave Celtic, then um, again, that, it's all dependent on his own reasons, what he wants to achieve, how much things he's achieved in Scotland, Champions mm-hmm. League. Because obviously, if he walks away from Celtic, he's walking away from European football. If he's going to Palace, for example, certainly for a Certainly for a while. Anyway, I don't know if that's something they've ever achieved. Maybe, maybe yeah. once. I don't know. No, they've not. So, look, it, it just depends. I think from a club point of view, looking at a manager, I'd be surprised if they weren't looking at it in their own merit. Yeah, I, I mean, me and Graham. I remember when the Gerard talks come up about me and Villa, about Villa. Me and, me and Graham were very different on our rationale and why you should or why you shouldn't. And, and you know what? I think, I think you can't compare Postecoglou and Gerard in terms of their fees. Gerard was never in a position, in my opinion, to not back a Premier League team just based on what he's done in the Premier League and this path, this this imaginary path people have put him on to get to Liverpool as a manager. Postcoglu doesn't have that. He, he, he's kind of come out of nowhere um, and he's kind of built his project, if you like, in, in Celtic. And I think the moment that project doesn't start going his way, he then probably starts thinking about well, what's on the other, what's, you know, his grass green on the other side. Gerard whether like whether people like it or not, Jared was always going to go back to the Premier League. Post Coggle comes without those ties, so I think it's always going to be based on what he wants in terms of that. You know, if Post Coggle sees opportunity and improvement, do you know what I mean? Like he's 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 went to Celtic and he's done he's done some really good business in my opinion on transfers. Go to Palace, mate. You're spending what you've just spent on a whole on those bottom four players. You're spending that on on a player realistically that comes with a whole different level of of kind of engagement. So I think Postecoglou would, if he was to go, would be on the basis of whether he thinks it's the right fit for him, and you know whether it's the right time because he's obviously got this. As Graham said, he's got this project that's going with Celtic at the moment that is not not pretty bad at the moment. So also interesting as well, just like this aside, but. When a 
when a manager goes from Scotland to England, you always expect them to maybe come back and sign some players and um, try to think really realistically the last player that went from Scotland down to the Premier League that really, really... I don't sh- think it... The last time I remember it, I don't think it was a Premier League. I think it was a Championship and I think no, it was Strachan no. when he went to Middlesbrough. Did no, he not take Robson? No, but I just mean oh, a player yeah. that's done really well in the oh, Premier League. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I'd say John McGinn. But then I guess he he went to the he, he went to the he, championship he, first. Yeah, he, he went to the championship. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Edward, I mean, Palace fans are not are not uh, don't praise Edward at all. Um, mm. they, they, they look like the favourites to go and get Kyogo, like you're saying. Uh, anyone that leaves Scotland to go in the Premier League, it, it, it is the one that's getting linked. But uh, yeah, I actually was having that argument with someone the other day, uh, Graham, about that because that in in the last few years uh, there hasn't there hasn't really been many that you can say. You know that have gone. I mean, we as a part, obviously, from the obvious ones, Van Dyke and, and Robertson. But um, I always thought I was always surprised Gerard didn't come back for a couple of players at Rangers. Yeah. Rather, he went. He went the way of spending mega money on guys yeah. like Luca Dean and Coutinho, which I think was actually one of his biggest mistakes. Rather than mm-hmm. potentially coming in for, I'm not. I really like, for example, Calvin Bassey and mm-hmm. the money. You know, twenty million for Calvin Bassey with add-ons. Rather than going, he's a young player. Rather than going for a thirty-year-old Luca Dean, who's quite injury prone, I, I just think those were some of the mm-hmm. those were some of the issues. So yeah, what Jamie's saying's right in terms of one player for four. But if you dabble back in the Scottish market, then actually you could get those three or four players for. Mm-hmm. Do you know well, what I think, that price? I, th- I think the last time I remember somebody doing a decent job was maybe is it Naismith when he was at Everton. I think he went pretty cheap, didn't he? And and he did. That's he a, a good, long time. That's he, a long time. Of course it is. Of course it is. But that's what I mean. Like he he did well. He was there for a good few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously, one. James McFadden. All that. James I mean, more recent. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I mean, more recent. <laughs> Gary Nates, man. That's fascinating. Well, it depends the, the, what you put success, isn't it? Because to, to, to be fair, there's a lot a lot of the English teams now loan out the youngsters into Scotland. It's, it works that way as opposed to bringing them down from Scotland. You look at the lad at Aberdeen at the moment um, from Liverpool. Um, he's he's had a really good season. Um, and, and you know, they, they, they've been doing that for years now. James Madison was at Aberdeen as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, unfortunately, Scotland has come to that as for the for the Premier League. It's more of a, you know, build the players up um, than, than, than probably the, the other way. The only other person I can think of is maybe Kieran Tierney, but he's not exactly lit the league on fire. He's more of a T-boy, in my opinion. He'll, he he probably moves. He does. He just gets the T's a shape, Robertson. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> sorry. Digressing. <laughs> I, I, to be fair, I, I, hate, I, hate, I hate him, but he, he's a good player. The problem you've got with Tierney is he's just, he's you know, he's, he's always injured. Yeah, uh, but but listen, it depends what you put success. With. You know, <clears> if you go through the list, you know, you'd probably say that Stephen Davis as well. He's another one that come down there. He was, he was at Cess, He was Southampton captain. If you mm-hmm. go, through, there's probably more than, than we give credit for. But going back to to the last couple of games, Jamie, I'll obviously come to you on this one. But but Liverpool with a one nil win against Brentford. Um, that's six wins in a row for Liverpool now, and five being by one goal, which is not something really in in, in the Klopp area. Era, um, you know, one goal wins and nothing. Do you know up. what? It's it's kind of like it's it's been a bit weird because if you think about the inconsistencies that we had, we went from scoring seven against Man U to losing against Bournemouth. That's kind of stopped now. 
and it's kind of like just get the three points, you know, grind grind these results out. We uh, we we beat Fulham last Wednesday one nil. Um, we got one nil against Brentford, and it's just like it's like something's kind of clicked at the moment, and I you know, and a lot's been made of Trent's new position. But I think it's also to do with the the pressing from the strikers. You know, having Lewis, people like Lewis Diaz back, like he's just a different ball game. He plays the man way, which is like you know he leads from the front, he chases the chases the defender down, doesn't give them time. Gakpo started doing that now as well, and Salah's always done it. You know, so it, it's it's kind of like there's many things that have just started to click in the right way. Virgil Van Dijk's been playing consistently alongside Kanate. Um, it's not been chopping between Gomez and and, and Matip, so um, yeah, it's it's it was for me. It was always about stopping the rot, and the rot was not winning games, you know. Because at one point, I think we were down to eighth or ninth, and we were looking like nowhere near this. Now we've got this mega slim hope of actually claiming a spot in the Champions League, which I don't believe we'll do because I think Manu still get more points. But it's mental to think that we actually have a chance uh, compared to, you know, if you look at where we were 10 games ago or something. Um, but Salah's just a gift that keeps on going. I don't care what anybody says. Like, his records are absolutely astounding. The, um, that's his 100th goal at Anfield. He's the first person to score nine goals at Anfield in a row. Um, and as you said, we've now won um, six on the bounce. Everything about Liverpool's just in a more positive manner than what it was two months ago. You know, everybody was talking about whether Klopp was going to keep his job, and that was kind of put to bed. The Bellingham thing, obviously, yes, I would love to say Bellingham is a thing, but that's kind of been put to bed now. It was funny because there was after the Man United loss, Twitter kind of erupted with all these all these pictures of Klopp peering out of the back of a kitchen cupboard, saying, "So you think there's a chance?" But the one that caught my eye was uh, somebody sending. Um, Dortmund, a message saying hold that fucking ticket, you know, because we were not getting ben, we we're not getting Bellingham because we weren't qualifying for the Champions League, and now there's this very very slim chance that we actually might pull something off. Um, but there was a report today that apparently we were ready to match Real Madrid's offer of 380 grand a week in wages. That's what he's actually going for for a 19 year old. That's absolutely mental. Um, so. You know, we've now been sniffing. We've now been linked with other players. I kind of like the look of these other players. McAllister being one of them at Brighton. So it's like everything's all in a positive at the moment with Liverpool. Um, Milner's now confirmed that he's moving to Brighton. Bobby Firmino's away. We're losing a bit for the players. I think it's going to be a busy summer. We need the season to end so we can just get on with it, I think is probably the best way to put it. But it's good to just put three points on the board every week at the moment. Yeah, is it? And you never know. The way Man United have been the last two games, you just <laughs> never know. Uh, Graham then finishing it off with a, this week's fixtures. Wolves beating Villa 1-0. I'm sure that's some kind of derby. I, I, you might be able to, to tell me they're both Midlands clubs, but Wolves are unbeaten their last five games against Villa. And again, I think we've said it many a time, but um, Wolves at home um, uh, are really done really well since, since Big Jules has gone in there. Um, and Villa back to back defeats for the first time since February. So was that was that one a, a shock? I think that's kind of game looking at it. Really, it could go either way. Yeah, I think Wolves some sort of Midlands derby or something like that. Yeah, Wolves, there's quite a few of that up there, isn't it? Yeah, Wolves. I mean, it's not that far, is it? Twenty minute train or whatever. So <laughs> um, I don't think it was a shock. 
really. Look, yeah, Aston Villa have been a good run of form. It wasn't. It was going to peter out at some point. Two defeats back to back. Looks like they might struggle to kind of get into their European spot now. I don't actually know how I'd need to look into if how an extra place gets given off the cups depending on who wins and then I don't know if, if West Ham were to win the the conference for example if that then takes away from the league or if it's just an extra team so there's all these permutations I'm not totally certain about so yeah a disappointing result for Villa definitely when you know unexpectedly, unexpectedly they've been um, charging for Europe and they've now lost two, two, but, uh, two in a row so disappointing for them but I think the under Emery, what this has shown is, you know, there'll be a there'll be a challenge next season. There'll be a hard team to beat, and I'm sure uh, Europe will definitely be on the radar for for next season if if they don't manage it uh, tail end of this. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree, and I think they'll, they'll recruit. We've just spoken about Gerard there and the way that they recruited under him. I think they'll be a lot more efficient, and I would expect a higher sort of level of player. Um, probably better ages as, as well, Emery will go for. But um, to finish off, um, I think we, we want to just quickly talk about the, the relegation running. I know we spoke about it last week, but it's just that part of the league that's just so... It's probably the only part that's not fully you know, sealed. Um, so, uh, Jamie, just looking at that running again um, with, with the results, obviously, over the weekend with Forrest and Everton picking up, picking up wins. Um, yeah. I, I, I said last week that the bottom three were the ones that were going to go down. Now two of those three are no longer in the fucking bottom three, and I'm like, what <laughs> yeah, the hell? It's, insane, <laughs> it's absolutely mental. And and I've been pretty, and you know, I've given Colin shit for changing these teams every week, and I've been like, no, Everton are going down, they're going down, they're going down, and then the fuckers pulled out that result last night, and I've got to sit on this pod and go, fuckers are probably saved now. Um, <laughs> I, I think what's more alarming is Leicester's inability to do anything at the moment and it's probably the same for Leeds I think Leeds Leeds have got a couple of tricky ones coming up you know I think I think is it they play uh, I think they play Newcastle yeah I wouldn't be surprised if Leeds actually get a draw out of that because it's at Ellen Road and you just think the way they kind of got back into the game the other day that you know if they turn up and get at it I think there's a very slim chance they, they, they do something with this and kind of get themselves out of trouble. Um, Leicester are the ones that you fear for. Like, you know, it's we've been saying all season, if you've got goals, you should be fine. They got absolutely hammered yesterday and they've got goals. Like, yeah. that makes no sense in terms of, you know, it's, on, on, a, on a thing looking forward. And as you said, you you know you look at some of these games. I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody goes down in goal difference. And as Graham said at the beginning, the goal difference is starting to tighten up a little bit, especially after last night's games. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody goes down in goal difference. But I'm going to go Southampton is the easy pick. Um, I do think Leicester go down now. I do, um, and I. I feel like, I, yeah, I feel like I don't want to say Leeds because I've just made a case for them, but I feel like Leeds are probably, you know, the only other team that's in free fall at the moment. Um, however, they could turn that around. So um, I think Leicester are in the shit. Um, and I think next week I'll give you my third team is probably the best. <laughs> <answer>. <laughs> I think I'm joking. I can't even say Chelsea no more either. No, I mean. <laughs> I think. I think um, looking at it, I can't remember when it was. I said maybe a week or two ago. I think my bottom three was Southampton, Leeds, and Forest. Now mm-hmm. um, that result last night 
um, for Forest is massive when you look at their run in the last three games. Chelsea away, Arsenal home, Palace away. Although what Mason's just told us means I'll be betting against Palace every week for the rest of the season. <laughs> so maybe maybe I'm way off here. I don't think it's inconceivable, right, that Nottingham Forest and Everton go the last three games without picking up a point and still stay it's up. Still because, yeah. Like yeah. that's looking at this, like Leicester man, Liverpool at home, Newcastle away and West Ham at home is honking. Yeah. And you know, realistically, look, Forest goal difference are on thirty three points, but they've got minus thirty one. So look, it's likely that they will have the worst goal difference out of those kind of four battling teams, uh, Southampton aside obviously. So yeah, look if I think if a team can reach thirty three at least, um I, I do think thirty four sees you sees you up. I know it's crazy, yeah. but I, I do think that I just don't see Leicester or Leeds picking more than three points up. The way they've been playing in the last three games. So maybe you're right, maybe Leeds do get a draw at home in Newcastle, maybe they do nick a point somewhere, but do they get enough to keep them up um, over do- those three games? That's that's the thing and it'll be really interesting. Um, really interesting to see. I, I bet gutted that none of them play each other. You would be hoping yeah. for a real kind of <laughs> like a real uh, hot bondo. Yeah, that Forest Southampton game was really the last one of the season in terms of dead down there. And, and almost if Southampton had won that, it did bring them. Mm-hmm. Would have been it would have been tough absolutely. They would have brought them five points with three games to go, and look, they're gone now. Completely, I think we knew that anyway. But look, it'll be an interesting run in. Maybe it's a good thing they're not playing each other. They're all going to be scrapping for points against other teams. But honestly, I don't think it's in- inconceivable that a lot of them could just finish with zero points the rest of their games, and it's it is as it is just now. You know, it is. It's a. It's going to be a really really good run in and. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it there, I think last week I said I think Everton will go down, but that was before they were obviously went and thumped Brighton. Um, but I think looking at them two fixtures with um, Wolves and Bournemouth, I just think that maybe yeah, maybe a point for them them get to have it. But it is one that, that that's gonna gonna be interesting. Graham, you you said uh, what did you what what points did you give? Did you give uh, what what points did you say? It was thirty three points or something you get to. I think I think yeah, we are we are Forest are right now. Could I think could potentially keep keep you up? They would break the record for the team that team to be staying up with the lowest points. What is um, the record? Thirty-two, West Brom, two thousand and five. So, so yeah, would stay up with so that. Then, so we could see someday. Yeah. Um, that, so what? I thirty-one would break the record. So what was it? Yeah, right. but that's what I mean. Like you, you, that, that, that's the kind of levels we're talking about. Um, so yeah, I think it'll go down to that. Yeah, it'll be, be interesting, gents. But but last thing to do tonight is uh, thanks, thanks, thank you both for coming on. So Graham, thanks for coming on to that, mate. Cheers, mate. And Jamie, as always, thank you. Pleasure's always mine, mate. Thank you very much for the invite. Nice one, lads. Well, again, thanks uh, for everyone for listening. We'll be back next week where I think there's a few uh, more double game weeks. So. Uh, You'll have to endure us for maybe a little bit longer <laughs> next week. But uh, but as always, thanks for, for listening. <laughs>